0: Well, good morning. I uh, hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and uh, you know we just yesterday celebrated Christmas, and and today the the lectionary text for this uh, Sunday kind of jumps to where Jesus is is twelve year old, twelve years old uh, in the temple. Even where I thought about you know let's preach something else, but I decided to go with that passage this morning, uh, right after Christmas. So this morning we're going to look at Luke chapter two. Uh, starting at verse uh, 41 so Luke 2:41 Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up according to the custom and when the feast was ended as they were returning the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem His parents did not know it. They supposed him to be with the group. They went a day's journey, but they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when the parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have searched for you in great distress.'" And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was uh, submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Let us pray. The Lord, we... Uh, As always, thank you for your word, and we just invite you to be at work among us as we just pause and take a little time to look at this passage and think about what you may want to share with us. I pray that all that is said be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this passage, you know, where Jesus kind of gets lost, where Mary and Joseph lose him, whenever I think about that, I, I certainly think about, um, being lost myself at times, but certainly losing things. And, and I was thinking about it this week and, you know, just uh, aware of, I remember when I was a kid, and, I, and I've used this kind of illustration before in, in preaching and, you know, about being lost or being forgotten. And, when, you know, when you were in the, the store with your parents maybe a grocery store or shopping at the mall or something and as a little kid and you know holding your your parents hand and maybe let go and then you pick it up again and walking and and at some moment you look up and realize that's not my parent it's not your mother or your father whoever you thought it was and you realize oh my goodness I, I am lost and you freak out as a kid well you know, after I had children, I realized, you know, that's a that's a really scary moment, but it is even a scarier moment when you're the parent and you reach down and grab the hand of of a child thinking it's yours and look down and realize this isn't my kid. Some other kid has been next to me and where's my kid? And you look around and, and you can't find him and, and you have to get frantic, and then you know, your mind goes all over the place and you get afraid, wonder, and you look, and and finally find them. Those moments—that's this kind of frantic idea of Mary and Joseph, who've lost Jesus. You know this wonderful gift and the promise, and and they've lost him. But there's more going on in the text. As I've said before, all of the gospel writers, all all of the writers of of the New Testament, actually but especially the Gospels, were all written to be read out loud in one sitting from beginning to end, and they have a message, the way they tell the story. And you have to remember, Luke is writing, telling the the facts and what happened, but in a way that that prepares you for kind of part two, because Luke will also write the book of Acts. It talks about the, the work and the acts of the Holy Spirit among the early church and the beginnings of the church, and to where Luke has a way that he's writing. He's writing to give an orderly account, to tell you the facts, but the way and what, what stories and what things he chooses to say and how he says them have often another layer to them, along with all the gospel writers. That's, that's how they communicated. So I want us to just think about what's going on here. That you have Jesus who's, who's been, you know, they've assumed that he's with them. You know, it's not that they're bad parents, that, you know, they, they, I mean, they miss him for a day, but they, they, they traveled with, with relatives, with you know, extended family and friends and groups of people, so there was the assumption that he was with them. He was just hanging out with somebody else. And there's also, you know, this idea, it's not like they lost baby Jesus. Um, he's 12. And, and, you know, really in the ancient world, there, there wasn't adolescence. Adolescence is a fairly new uh, kind of phenomenon that we have uh, developed that, you know, really at the age of 12, a, a Hebrew boy, a Jewish boy was responsible. They'd, they'd become responsible for keeping the law and, and while they weren't fully a man yet, they, they were kind of an adult. You know, they'd reached the age of kind of accountability. And so it's not like they lost a, a little bitty kid He's 12, and they assume he's with a relative. And then they discover he's missing. And then, then they begin to search, and they wonder, and they probably search around with, with relatives and family members thinking he's there, and they, they can't find him. So they end up having to go back to Jerusalem, and it's three days it takes them. And they finally find him in the temple. Now, I want to pause there the, to just think about what that speaks to us and what, what Luke is trying to tell the church that he is writing this to, to hear this read to them. And all of it is directed to Christians. And I, I, you know, I think about our own lives. Sometimes there can be you know, kind of assumptions on where we, we feel like Jesus is, where we feel that God is working, you know, that God is, is working here or there, and we just assume Sometimes we can get comfortable in our own religious faith and faith experiences that we just assume how God will work and what God will do. You see that in Scripture often. The assumption that that God will be here, or God will do this, or God will do that. And, you know, it's one of the things in in the Old Testament you often see that kind of gets Israel into trouble that the kings and the people would, would say, well, you know, we've got the temple. Even the false prophets that they didn't realize were false prophets at the time, they were just saying, you know, e- everything's good because we've got the temple. You know, we've got the ark of the covenant, or we've got the tabernacle. God's on our side. All things, it's going to be good. That's how God works. We, God's with us. But they wouldn't listen to that one prophet saying, you know, it's not about your assumptions or, or. or having a, a building dedicated to God, it is how your heart is close to God and what God wants in, in your life. And, and that would often cause trouble if you read it in the Old Testament, the assumptions that God will be with us, we've got the temple in. But we can even do that today. I can do that. You know, I'm standing here at the you know, sanctuary at St. Luke's. Sometimes we can just assume, you know, God's at work in the church, and we look at the church as a building, and, you know, God's, God's kind of there, and we're going to go visit visit Jesus on Sunday, and sometimes we can get into a rut of assumption of where and how God works. But then we discover when things get difficult, or something happens, or we begin to, to search and seek, and we become frantic, searching for God. That idea in scripture that you can see as, as we assume, and, but then when things get difficult, we, we, we search out because we can't find God. Can't find where Jesus is. Can't find where, where God's working. Ever had seasons in your life to where you just, you just don't sense God's presence like other times? yeah, you know, I can go, through, I've, I've certainly gone through those. where you, you know, going through the the motions of devotion and reading scripture what, but it just you don't sense sense God in it. And sometimes things can happen or questions can surface, and you begin to realize, where is God? And you become almost like Mary and Joseph frantically looking, even to the point, they get a little accusatory. I mean, Mary's tone when she finds Jesus is accusatory. It is, you know, how dare you do this to us? Your, your father and I have been been just frantic looking for you and upset. Sometimes we get a little accusatory with God, with Jesus. Now I think about that coming out of uh, Christmas holiday. You know, sometimes people can can view, especially kids, but even adults. We can look at look at God like like Santa Claus, you know, supposed to give us stuff. Or, or like a genie, you know, in a bottle. I was talking to someone the other day about, you know, the idea that like a like a genie that, you know, we pray hard enough, we're gonna get what we want, God better give us what we want. But you know, that idea if you think about that whole all the stories we have throughout uh, culture and history about genies giving grant wishes it generally doesn't work out very well for the person uh, making the wishes just kind of a side note but we can we can become a little accusatory when things don't go the way we expected and you see that in scripture you see it with you know Elijah after a wonderful event at Mount Carmel but then he gets scared and he's he's running and, and jezebel wants to kill him and he ends up getting really depressed and down and even, you know, kind of accusatory with God of, you know, I'm the only faithful one, almost kind of mopey and whiny, you know. God cares for him and is with him and then has to remind him, no, you're not the only faithful person that ever existed. And then that there's other people who have kept the faith. You see, with Jeremiah, one, the prophet, he, he even gets angry at God and says, calls God a liar saying, you lied to me. You called me to be a prophet and to share your your message with people and they won't listen to anything I say. He, he gets really fussy with God. Beautifully, God takes it. And you see it in the New Testament. You see it in the Gospels when the, the storm comes and they're in the, in the boat in the storm and. They get frantic and finally wake Jesus up because he's asleep in the front and they think they're going to die and their their comment is fairly accusatory. Jesus, we're going to drown here and you don't even care. And his response is, of course I care. Even after the crucifixion, you see this wondering what's going on. Where, what happened with Jesus? What they expected in the Messiah to be this military leader and defeat Rome, and they, they, they saw him crucified on a cross and wonder what do we do now? Which gives another layer of insight to this story. That, that here at the beginning, it begins with, Just think about it. It's the Passover, it says. Mary and Joseph lose Jesus for three days. Sound a little bit like after the crucifixion. Jesus was crucified on Passover. His followers and the disciples kind of lose him for three days. It's something you, you you see throughout throughout the Gospels, even throughout acts of kind of losing losing Jesus and wondering where He is. What's going on? even to where you get into to acts and the work of the Holy Spirit? I, I thought about that uh, this week. I've, I remember that you know the old saying, you know going on a wild goose chase if you really can't uh, find something, but I, I've read where that is actually, a statement from Celtic Christians who were actually talking about the Holy Spirit and referred to it. it was like it was like chasing a wild goose. You know, when you thought you had it, you'd slipped out of your hands or go all over the place. Wonder where it's going to go next. The idea of what's going to happen, of wondering of where you're going to find it, what's going on. You see that here with Mary and Joseph losing him for three days. You see it in the end after the crucifixion when they lost him. The, and what, What's going on here? To where one of my favorite post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, where Jesus shows up after the resurrection, this certainly is in Luke's gospel. And it's the road to Emmaus, where you have these two followers of Jesus, these two disciples. They're not significant ones. They, you know, most likely it's a couple but only one of them is named the other one is just not even given name but even the name that's given is you don't hear about it in the gospels you don't hear about that name again in in acts it's not a important character in the story it's kind of these insignificant disciples who are frustrated because they expected great things to happen they thought jesus was the messiah and they're going home after the passover and after seeing Jesus crucified, and they're frustrated. And a man joins them as they walk home. And begins to ask them, "Why are they? Why are they upset?" And they, you know, "Don't you know? Don't you know why?" Everybody was so excited. We thought it was the Messiah, and then it's not. He's he was crucified, and it. it we don't know what's going on. We it, this is just kind of terrible. A little whiny, a little accusatory. Well, this man walks with them and just talks about scripture, spends the day walking with them. And then it gets home and, and they share a meal together. And it's when he breaks the bread and, and blesses it that they realize, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus right there with us. It's one of my favorites post-resurrection stories, and you, you see that begin, that idea of Jesus showing up, but also just almost calmly, I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing right here in this story with Mary and Joseph. When she does find him, they do find him in the temple, and, you know, why did you do this to us? We've been searching all over. Jesus' response is very calm, I why are you even looking for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Didn't you know I would be learning and seeking? And even here, they're astonished that he, he, he's the one asking questions, but then he's also astounding people with his own answers, which is so like Jesus in the Gospels. <laughs> Answer a question with a question, but then amazing how he answered it. But it's just, didn't you know I would be here doing my Father's work and in my Father's house? That's also how it goes in our lives so often frantically search and seek, or, or even accusatory with God, and then it just, realize Jesus has just been there doing what he said he would do. Now I'm reminded of that old that poem. Footprints in the sand, I think is what it's called. But, you know, the person's life is like walking on a, on a beach in the sand, and um, they see their footprints, and, and they see two sets when they become a you know, follower and, and Jesus walking with them, two sets of footprints in the sand. But then the frustration comes because at the moments of most difficulty in their life, they only see one set of Footprints. And they kind of get upset and, you know, why did you abandon me in those difficult moments? And it's like Jesus just says, I didn't abandon you. Those are my footprints. I was carrying you. And sometimes it's like that and we don't realize it. Just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is with us and we didn't see it. Or like in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up. The Spirit of Jesus shows up in places we weren't expecting. Or even with, with the disciples at the end when they're you know, frustrated and Jesus shows up to them. and he, Why are you so shocked is almost what he's saying. This is what I told you was going to happen. I told you I was going to rise on the third day. And you think about that with all the other promises in the gospels that Jesus makes. I told you I would I would never leave you, forsake you. I told you I would be with you. Of realizing how God is just at work. And, and no, I, there's tragedy in all of our lives. There's frustrating moments. There's times that we get difficult and we want God to do something that maybe God didn't, we get frustrated that God didn't give us something we want or that God doesn't speak to us in a certain way. People will talk about that to me, you know, God God doesn't talk to me, like, I want God to talk to us. Well, you know, be careful with that. I said before, it, you know, it doesn't say in scripture God so loved the world that he sat down and had a conversation with it, it said he sent his son to die for to die for us. It's part of the story. And you see it in a subtle way with Mary and Joseph here. That it's, it's, when she says, your father and I have been searching for you, Jesus' response, and it's not, it's not bad towards Joseph, it's not derogatory towards him, but he simply says, but, but didn't you know I, I would be in my father's house? Getting to who his real father is. You know, God the Father, didn't you know I would be doing my Father's work and I'd be doing what I I'm meant to do? And he keeps that focus all through the Gospels. And I guess just today in me, there's there's something in that of, you know, in our moments of frustration or even our moments of assumption that we think think Jesus works in this way or is going to be here and we don't even realize he's not. He's about doing his Father's work. He's still at work doing what he does. The Spirit of Jesus is still working on our behalf. Is still out there to, to, to save us. Still pays the price for our sin to transform us. In the moment, sometimes I can get frantic and, and wonder, I pray that we just pause. May we hear the promises of Jesus that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he is with us, that he's working on our behalf, that he's a mediator on our behalf, that he goes to prepare a place for us, whatever promises he makes, that he's working, he's there maybe not doing what we assume he should do, maybe not doing, but doing what needs to be done. So may we just surrender to that. I pray that that as we enter into a new year this week, that you'll be open to experiencing God's presence and what God would have you to do. But I also pray that in the moments that you may not feel it, In the moments when you might be wondering where where is God at work, you may pause. You know, that's where faith is so important. That's why God wants to cultivate it in us. It's because in those moments, may you rest that God is still at work, that Jesus still died for us, offers us freedom and promise and hope for tomorrow, And you go into this new year just just knowing God is at work. And the last couple of years have been difficult ones. And no matter what happens, Jesus is at work redeeming, restoring, has forgiven us, offers us the grace to, to be forgiven, to be transformed. And may we just rest in that. Let us pray. But Lord, we just we praise you and thank you for the fact that you are faithful. In the midst sometimes of our uncertainty, of our assumptions, of our, our franticness looking for where God may be at work, you are just simply faithful. Doing what you promised. May that give us hope. May that give us peace. May we rest in that as we begin this new year. Be with us. May you guide and lead us. May we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.